The scripture reading this morning is from Acts 14, 21 to 28. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. So what we're going to do this morning is Pat Hickman, the pastor at Fountain Square, and I are both preaching from this passage. And I'm going to give a charge to Fountain Square from this. And Pat is going to give a charge from this passage to Redeemer as we think about what is it that God has done and what is it that God is doing. Like we're celebrating where we have gone and what we have seen him do. And we're looking forward and saying, well, God, where are you taking us? Where are you going? And there's a verse in here that that hits to that, verse 23. It says, what Paul and Barnabas did was they committed them to the Lord. That their time in an active, hands-on way with that congregation, with those churches, was coming to an end. And so they, in in a very real, tangible way, committed them to the Lord to say, we're not out of relationship, we'll still be connected But this is a new stage of what, God, you're doing, and so we're handing this church into your hands. And so that's what I want to talk about today with Fountain Square, and I want to say to you is like, what does it look like for us to commit you to the Lord? Two things as I think about this. It's about, uh, when we think about committing you to the Lord and where you're going, it's about uh, what you'll go through to get there and who you'll go with. What you're going to go through and who you'll go with. So first, what are you going to go through? Look at verse 22. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And this is where, on a Sunday like this, where there's a sense of celebrating what God has done and looking forward with excitement to the future, when you read a verse like this, this is where the the, the rah-rah kind of trails off. And the enthusiasm can, can seem to die because what they've said is where you're going, the only way to get there is through hardships. The, the, the way for where you're going to be committed to the Lord means you're going to go through hardships. And we don't tend to think about things that way. We think that if you're on the right path and you're going where you're going, that hardships are not part of the story. And that if you encounter things that are hard, it must be a sign that you're on the wrong path, that you're you're headed the wrong direction or, or the way that you're trying to get there is wrong. And what you need to do is find a different route that you need to bail out so that if you're on in a marriage and it's hard and there are hardships, well, maybe I've married the wrong person. Maybe I need out or in your faith, or at a church, and things get hard, and they're uncomfortable, 
and you're having to push in to suffering and you're like, clearly something's gone wrong, I'm in the wrong place. That's how we tend to think, that the map that we have of how do we get to God's kingdom must mean that it goes well. But what if we have the wrong map in mind for how and where it is we're going? In 1879, the USS Jeanette set out on an exploration. Their goal was to to reach the North Pole, which no one had yet done. And they had a vision of how to do it. They were following the map of Dr. August Henrik Peterman. And Peterman had this theory that there was a thermometric pathway through the seas that as, as the, the warm Gulf Stream shot up, that there would be a warm sea water pathway through the ice into then this polar sea that would lead you to the North Pole. And so under Lieutenant DeLong, the USS Jeanette set out to go up there, kind of between Alaska and Siberia. And very quickly, they encountered ice. And in fact, the ice was so bad that it began to hem the ship in. And for nearly two years, the USS Jeanette drifted, unable to break out of the ice. And eventually, DeLong and his men had to abandon the ship and abandon their vision of how they were going to get to the North Pole if they were going to survive. They had this idea that there was this fair-weather passage to where they wanted to go, and they followed a map until it led them not where they thought they were going to go. And I think it's that way with us, that actually what God is telling us here is the map of where you're going, Fountain Square, where you're going, Redeemer, is through hardship. And not just hardship that we all encounter because we live in a fallen world and we are sinful people, but the hardship that particularly comes being on the pathway to the kingdom of God. It's the hardship that comes when you have to say no to your own self and your own desires in order to follow Jesus, and you encounter suffering as a result. It's the hardship that comes when you want to live for Jesus And there are people who are not excited about that. And you face opposition to trying to humbly, winsomely, but but courageously live your faith out. It's the kind of hardship that comes when you put yourself in a place to love and serve others. And so you're willing to talk to a friend or a neighbor about Jesus and risk the hardship of the relationship being ruptured. Or, Or you're willing to say to somebody, Hey, wake up, I see this sin in your life and I'm scared of where it's gonna, what it's gonna do to you. And there's a hardship. And there's a hardship that comes particularly when you enter into pain with somebody else. Like our instinct when people hurt and suffer, like we might be there for a minute, but our instinct isn't to get in there and stay stuck in with people. We tend to run the opposite direction. And so there's a hardship when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus into this hard place and I'm going to stay here with you. And frankly, there's a hardship when you leave a church and you have relationships and you know how things work and you're going to go be a part of a new church. 
And week in, week out, you're going to set things up and tear them down because you don't have your own space. And you're going to do things in a smaller way and everybody's got to pitch in and there's a hardship that comes in, in following Jesus. And so the question is, well, why? Like, why would you go that direction then? Because Jesus says it's the only way to get to the kingdom. In Luke 9, here's what Jesus tells his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. The only path, Jesus says, if you want to follow me is hardship. Because whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, Jesus says, for my sake, will actually find it. The only path to the kingdom of God is through hardship because it's the path that Jesus has already gone ahead of us in order to establish God's kingdom. And so Fountain Square, I want you to know today that the kingdom of God is worth it, but the path to get there, where and how you're gonna go is through hardship. Which means then, it really, really matters who you're going with. My friend, Jen Maurer, one time said the best premarital question that she ever heard that somebody should ask when they're thinking about getting married is, is this somebody I want to suffer with? And I don't think that's just so much of like, you're going to make me suffer in, in marriage, the that's true. Um, but it's more that like, hey, when hard things happen, is this the person I want to be alongside in the trenches with? And I think that's true as well as we think about church. Are these people that I want to suffer with? Which is why the second part of us, Redeemer, committing you, Fountain Square, to the Lord it is who are you going with? Look what it says in verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. Leadership matters. The second part of how we're committing you to the Lord is entrusting you to particular leaders, elders who are charged to care for you, to shepherd, to watch over, to suffer with you for the sake of God's kingdom. And part of the reason that I know that this is the right time for Fountain Square to become its own church is because of the leaders that you have. Pat Hickman, Dan Barber, Matt Alzma, and Josh Plemon as elders to lead and to watch over you. And it's not just those four, though they're the ones now, but, but there have been people along the way. So Jason Dorsey, who was the senior pastor here when Fountain Square was sent out. Guys like John Beeler, Mark Van Est, Gary Boring, who have been elders along the way. And it's not just them, helped by community group leaders, helped by a women's advisory council. There is a, a beautiful team of leaders with Fountain Square now. And so I, oh, my charge to you is I commend to you these men and women to lead you, to heed them, to listen, to, 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 to make their, their work easy so that there's a joy in it for them, as Hebrews 13 says to commit you to the Lord today. The, the, the path that you're going on and who you're going with. Here's my heart. My heart for Fountain Square is there in verse 
23, or verse 24, committing them to the Lord, in that little phrase, in whom they had put their trust. That's what it comes down to. In whom you have put your trust. Jesus has gone ahead of you through hardship to enter, to establish the kingdom. And what he does is he brings us along in the trail. And so everything hinges on how you trust Jesus. My heart for you is to look and to see, here is Jesus, a merciful, holy, good, passionate, tender, fierce, faithful king who is worth trusting. That's what it means to commit you to the Lord, is to commit you to Jesus and who he is. Cindy Ragsdale is going to come up now, and she's going to pray on our behalf, Redeemer's behalf, as we pray for Fountain Square and sending them out. Pray with me. God, thank you that you do not ask us to try to follow you on our own. Thank you for church. Thank you for what you did among us in this church. A dozen years ago, you stirred up the idea of a new church in Fountain Square. You stirred very particular hearts to get up out of these pews and leave behind the comfort of familiar worship and trusted community groups and Sunday school rooms and a cozy nursery in this beautiful building. You assembled this core group and led them to say, in some discomfort, but in faith. Here am I, send me. You called the Hickmans to leave their own beloved spaces to commit to falling in love with Indianapolis, nearly sight unseen, with quirky, complicated Fountain Square, and with this church plant yet to be formed. You fueled their love for you and your church. Each of 450 plus Sundays and every day in between, you have been ever faithful to Fountain Square Presbyterian. You moved among them and bonded them to one another Sunday by Sunday, year by year. You gave them eyes to see your image in their neighbors and visitors and in one another. You sustained them in repetitive setup and teardown each week, building your sanctuary for so worthy worship of you. In prayer meetings to champion the healing of that neighborhood, in faithful fellowship in homes and backyards and on porches, As they go forward, God, would you keep them steeped in the memories of all you have done, lest they forget their dependence on you. Grant them your peace and encouragement to counterbalance the heft of a building, a new thing. Guard them from disappointment when they are weary. Continue to make them brave in you. Reshape their hearts more and more to be a safe haven for all. Putting out the sidewalk sign, brewing coffee, setting chair rows, creating song and prayer, and preaching your word. Let their every action lift up the banner of you and you alone. Then send them out into their weeks refortified, deeply convinced of your love, and with bold affection for their place, block by block, the place to which you have called them. We love you, and we praise you, and we entrust your church to you. Make us faithful to pray for her. Amen. My name is Pat Hickman. I'm the pastor of Fountain Square Presbyterian Church, and I have the opportunity to charge the Redeemer congregation as we think about becoming our own church next week. Uh, we're thinking about both what's 
coming for our future and what is happening here at Redeemer. The first thing I want to say is uh, congratulations. You did it. Um, there is, uh, that, 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 uh, there were a few laughs there. Uh, some, some folks thought, well, that, that's a little funny thing to say, right? Because uh, clearly we're talking about the beginning of something, and yet what we find here in verse 26 is as, as Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch, to the church that, that set them apart as elders for a particular work, they come to report on it, and they say that they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. They had now completed this work, and, and yet these churches were brand new, and th- the church itself was brand new. There was, there was more to be done. The, during, the, the, during the pandemic, uh, during the quarantine, my youngest daughter and I watched a lot of The Amazing Race, uh, and it's this reality competition show that I like because they get to travel around the world, and I like to think about what I would do uh, if I were on the competition. And there are a lot of things that they get to do that are really cool. And uh, there's a, each, each leg of the race, they do all these different things, and they're trying to get to the finish line, to the pit stop, uh, before all the other teams. And if you're last, then maybe you're eliminated. But they get to rest at that point, too. And you have no idea how much sleep they've had or opportunities to uh, even use the restroom or eat or any of these things. And so you know that they're looking forward to this this 12-hour stop, but every once in a while through the series, they'll, they'll arrive on the mat and the host, Phil, will say, uh, you made it, you, you weren't last, but you're still racing, and he hands them their next clue, and they got to keep going, right? So congratulations, you did it, now do it again. Uh, that's a call from the Lord to, uh, to do this work again. What, what is that? What, what work am I talking about? What work am I challenging you to do again to keep going? Three quick uh, things. It's a very short sermon, but I'm still using three points. Uh, the, the first is that there's a call to, to plant more churches. Plant, plant more churches. And, and praise God that you guys are already moving in this direction in some very specific ways. But this is, this is the story of Scripture. So that we, we see Paul and Barnabas and uh, they go through all these different cities visiting churches that they have planted. And it, it wasn't just one church. Uh, it wasn't just the, the, the story starts there in Derbe. It's not just there. They go to uh, Lystra and Iconium, and they, they go to Pisidia and uh, Pamphylia. There, there are all these places that they go where they have planted churches and they're visiting people, right? And so there is a call to think about what it means for us to, to plant more churches. Re- Redeemer is committed to seeing Ben Hine plant a church on the near west side. And, and, and Ben and Neva are going to be a part of that, but let me challenge you to think about what does it mean for you to be a part of that very specific church plant. The first thing that it means is everybody who's a part of Redeemer and Fountain Square Press should be praying for Ben and Neva. Even right now, be praying for them as they search for a home, as they try to find a house that they're able to do fruitful ministry from. And, and thinking about all the complications of uh, buying a home where they're able to do good ministry, but thinking about gentrification and impacts on the neighborhood and all of those things, be praying for those things. That's a very specific way that you guys can, can do it again. There'll be some of you as well that, that will be uh, encouraged and led to give to that work. Think about what would it look like for you to give financially to that work. And then even a smaller number, and, and recognize that percentage-wise, it'll be a small number, but would you consider 
actually moving to that neighborhood and being a part of that core group. And I recognize it's probably not gonna be the about 70 people that we started with, uh, over 30 adults and 40 kids. Um, but, but send a group with them and, and really consider and pray whether you would be a part of that and, and work with them to do it again. There, there's, there's then hope for not that long afterwards that the McDonald's would go and they would plant a church. There's a specific ways to be involved. Our, our presbytery is involved with planting a church on the south side in Greenwood right now. And even as we become our own church next Sunday, just a few months later, two of the families from our congregation are going to join Mike McBride and the Greenwood church plant. Same thing, pray for those. Think about giving. Think about uh, who might go to those churches to see the gospel move forward in those places. Recognizing that church planting comes with hardships, as, as Charles talked about, in some specific ways. And as Tina talked about, that, that might mean leaving a congregation that you love and a people that you love. That's just one of the hardships. We, we could have had a, a, a very large panel about all the difficulties of being involved in a church, and the, and the reality is we could have the same thing happen from Redeemer, because just life and ministry and church comes with hardships. So maybe you're not doing it again by specifically being a part of a new church plant. So what does it mean for the rest of you who continue to stay here at Redeemer? Well, remain true to the faith. There's a sense in which the work is remaining true to the faith, continuing in the faith, verse 22. They had preached the gospel and they returned to Lystra and Iconium, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. This is very simple Christian living. It's to follow Jesus daily. That's doing it again. I mean, the, the whole point of church, planting churches is to see folks strengthened in the gospel, strengthened in their souls, remaining true to the faith, walking with Jesus. Doing it again is just being faithful to walking with him, having our, having our souls strengthened, winning a large number of disciples Disciples or followers of Jesus. How, how does that play out for you here at Redeemer? Tina also referred to the fact that she lives on a block in a street where she was really cared for. There's, there's a sense in which we've loved being a part of Fountain Square Press because most people live within walking distance of our house and, and where we worship. This ministry of presence uh, is, is in some senses easier if you live very close to one another. That does mean that for many at Redeemer, that there takes more work to experience this ministry of presence. And the ministry of presence really matters. Paul and Barnabas, they're going back, look at all the churches that they're going back to visit, to be with the people. And then they, they're, they're in Antioch, this church that has sent them, and in verse 28, they stayed there a long time with them, a long time with the disciples. This, this strengthening of the disciples, this seeing following Jesus and walking with him regularly, it, it requires being present with one another. And, and, and sometimes we think it's something big and it's, it, you know, it's new churches and, and yeah, it is those things, but it's much more fundamentally, it's just being with one another, living the gospel with one another. And recognizing as we walk through life and as we experience those hardships that Charles talked about, that we should expect that we're able to do that together and we're able to see and experience the gospel in the midst of it. 
Because the reality is, is Jesus meets us in our weakness. He meets us in the hardships that, that we learn and we grow in those times. And others will learn and grow from us as well. We, we, we don't like to uh, think about the fact that our own hardships actually serve uh, others. I mean, I, I think about just reading the book Into the Kingdom of Ice that tells the story about the Jeanette and Captain DeLong and their uh, adventure into the North Pole, uh, or reading about, uh, you, you may have heard recently that they found the endurance, uh, Ernest Shackleton's ship in the, uh, on the South Pole, uh, and that adventure. And, and people went through things, I read those books and it just sounds horrible. But I learned from them, and they certainly did as well. And, uh, and the reality is, uh, the hardships that we go through, we learn, and ultimately we experience Jesus. That's where he meets us. So maybe you're thinking, okay, planting churches, do it again. Even just walking in faithfulness daily, that, that seems like such a difficult task. And, and, and it is. I mean, you're just thinking, how can I uh, parent my kids and, and just make it through each day and have uh, food on the table and how can I survive the, the pressures of the pandemic and all of these things, right? And, and the last thing, the last way that we do it again is we just continue to trust in him because this is, this is his work. This is, is not, it's not ours. So it's not, it doesn't, uh, rely on having the right people just to, to be good and gifted. It's that we would all be trusting and relying on the Lord. Even as we set apart elders, as we set apart leaders, it's this idea of committing them to the Lord. It's not putting them in a position because their gifting has, has allowed them to be there, that they're strong enough, that they're good enough. It's that we're trusting them to the Lord. I'm being entrusted to the Lord. Your pastors are being entrusted to the Lord because it's ultimately, it's the Lord's work, and this is true for all of us, that we're committing ourselves to the Lord, recognizing that it's his work. So as they come back to their sending church in verse 27, they're reporting about all that God has done and how he has opened a door of faith, all that God has done, not all that Paul and Barnabas did, all that God had done. And so we're celebrating now what God has done at Fountain Square Press and what God has done at Redeemer over the years and what he's going to do here and through other church plants. It's his work. And we just get to be a part of it. So we look to him to continue to open doors of faith in our own hearts and lives and the lives of those around us and other communities both where Redeemer is and Fountain Square Prez is and where these new church plants will be, we pray for God to do it again. Because it's ultimately, doing it again is looking to him and trust that that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to do it again. So let's look to him. We have uh, Carrie Sensabaugh is gonna come and pray for the Redeemer congregation uh, as we all look to the Lord to do it again. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your pursuit of us as your bride and the ways in which you have opened doors of faith for us. We thank you for the vision and leadership, the support and encouragement of Redeemer's leaders nine plus years ago for planting Fountain Square. 
We pray for Redeemer as they continue to step into doors of faith through the pursuit of planting more churches. We pray for the Hines and the McDonald's and for the teams that are part of fulfilling this desire. Give them encouragement, support, wisdom, and leadership. We pray for all of Redeemer, their presence and impact in Indianapolis, especially this corner of 16th and Delaware. We pray that your light radiate out from the corners of this building, spilling out like a river of life. We pray that all continue in and remain true to faith and that the practice of presence reveals more of who you are, Jesus. We pray that all trust in your work. We pray that as Redeemer steps fully into the work you have called this group of disciples to, that through the joys and hardships, they trust in you as a gracious, holy, merciful, just, and intimate King. Amen. <laughs>